0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, how good can this Falcons offense be? Are we set at left guard? And maybe I'm a little too old school. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Hitting Hard is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of a Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So it is the question that everybody's asking coming out of the draft. How good can this offense be for the Atlanta Falcons? Now that we have Bijan Robinson in the mix, who is going to not only just be a running back. They're going to use him as an overall weapon. Same way that they use Cordero Patterson, right? <clears throat> you look at the idea of he'll catch balls out of the backfield, he'll run, he'll do all sorts of different things. The way that they want to use Kyle Pitts, right? The the big the big buzzword, you know, among offensive personnel for Arthur Smith is their versatility, right? So Pitts could be a guy that lines up wide. He could line up inside, you know, this, that, and the other. All these other good things, right, that, that we look at as far as how good this team could be offensively. Now, last year, if you look, the Falcons finished at 16th. They, they tied for 16th, <clears throat> excuse me, 15th, actually, in the NFL in scoring last year, along with the New York Giants. They were 21 and a half points per game. So, if you're going to be one of the elite offenses in the NFL, you got to get yourself into that 26 and above points per game number. So, Cincinnati finished seventh in the NFL at 26.1 points per game. If you're getting into that mark, and that's where Kansas City, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Dallas, Detroit, San Francisco, and then Cincinnati all lived. Can the Falcons be that kind of offense? I I definitely think that they have the personnel to certainly be one of the more high-scoring offenses in the NFL. Now, a lot of that is going to be upon Desmond Ritter and what his growth is. Can he be an accurate enough passer? But also, too, the idea of, is Arthur Smith going to open this up a little bit? Does he... So... If you know last year, the Falcons were the only team in the NFL that called more run plays than they did pass plays. Now, obviously, there were definite limitations last year to what they could do on offense because of Marcus Mariota, right? There probably wasn't this great trust and faith in what Mariota could do, (coughs) and you certainly didn't feel like you had the right trigger man in place at quarterback. Now you feel like you have a guy that can handle the workload and be a little bit more balanced on offense. So if Arthur Smith is willing to bring this thing over a little bit more toward the medium, so maybe, dare I even say, maybe 55 pass, 45 run. If he's willing to kind of go to that route to where He can use Robinson. He can use Jonu Smith. He can use Drake London, Pitts, everybody. And he can open this thing up a little bit and maybe even take a few chances. You know, allow Desmond Ritter to kind of open up his game a little bit. I'm not saying hawk it around 50 times a game. They're never going to be there. They're never going to be an offense that is going to be a prolific passing team, right? Like they're not going to go what Matt Ryan was in in the middle of his career where he was 600 plus attempts every single year, six, 700 attempts. And they're not going to be that kind of offense because again, I don't think Arthur Smith wants to even be that kind of offense. I mean, he'll adapt to what his personnel is, but they can control the clock. If they can move the chains, if they can pick up first downs, because too many times, you know, in their offense and, Certainly, when you look at what they can really be, they have to take advantage of their red zone opportunities. You know, when you have Johnny Smith, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, multiple weapons at running back, there's no reason why you shouldn't be one of the more prolific red zone offenses in the NFL. Like, even if that, if even if you say to yourself that that personnel isn't necessarily designed. To stretch the field and long distances, right? It's not Tyree Kill on the outside who can stretch it 50-60 yards, right? Or Devontae Adams, I mean a big time play. I mean, even if you don't think it's that kind of personnel, you would think that with Pitts, with Johnu Smith, with running backs who can catch the multiple running backs who can catch the ball out of the backfield, that this could be an offense that should be lethal in the red zone. And obviously. You have an offensive line that can certainly run block for anybody in the league, right? The right hand side of your offensive line is deadly when it comes to run blocking. If Caleb McGarry can figure out how to pass block, and that's obviously a big if, but if he can become a good pass blocking offensive lineman to go along with what he is in the run game, and they can protect Desmond Ritter. You know, and even last year, if you look, Marcus Mariota, even though the sack numbers for him necessarily weren't really high because they didn't pass the football, they didn't put him in too much danger when he dropped back, but the percentage of sacks that he took on snaps was high. I think it was over 10% last year. It's one of the highest in the NFL. So from a percentage standpoint, he was getting sacked frequently when he dropped back but it wasn't just a big overall total because they didn't throw the football very much. Right. But if he can, if, if McGarry can control the offensive line on the outside, keep the pass rush off our quarterback, if they can figure out, and we're going to talk in just a few minutes here, talk about the inside of their offensive line and they can protect Desmond Ritter and allow him to navigate his way through the pocket. And again, he's mobile enough that if he can, you know, if he has to, do a little dipsy do here and a little dippy do there. Okay, then he's going to be in good shape. But they have enough weapons that there's no reason why. And if you've invested this kind of draft capital into your offense in skill position people, again, three straight years of the number four pick in Kyle Pitts, the number eight pick in Drake London, the number eight pick in Bijan Robinson, there's no reason why we shouldn't be a prolific red zone offense. Now, that's something that we haven't seen in a long time in Atlanta. That's something that we've been waiting for. And obviously, these last few years has been one of our real bugaboos is the fact that we get down and we don't score enough touchdowns when we get in the red zone and too many times we settle for field goals. Well, that has to change because I'm not 100% sure. And I'm not going to say that I'm not more confident about the defense, but until you show me that we're going to be a forty sack team, then I'm I'm going to wait around. And you know, again, as the Ghostbuster said, we are ready to believe you. Then I want to see that. But until that point, we're going to have to rely on some of our offensive personnel, and we're going to have to be an elite red zone offense. So if they can get that part of things figured out, use Pitts, use London. What I mean, we talked about this a few months ago, right? It was time. It's time for Kyle Pitts to be that unicorn that he was drafted to be. And that's not all on his fault, but part of it is his fault. Part of it's coaching. Part of it's Kyle Pitts fault. Part of it's your quarterbacks. But again, there's no excuses now. When you have all of this offensive personnel and you've invested all of this draft capital into guys that can catch and run with the football, then you better be an elite red zone offense and you better be one of the top scoring offenses in the league. Can the Falcons add five points a game onto their total? Yeah, I think that they can. That may not sound like very much, but in the course of an NFL season, averaging five more points per game, think about how many <clears throat> one score games this team has been involved in over the last two years. That's huge. And if you can add five points per game consistently, onto your offensive total, then there'll be good things that happen. And this will be one of the top offenses in the NFL. All right, let's talk about our friends over at FanDuel. As you know, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, And when you're a new customer to FanDuel, you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. When you're a new customer to FanDuel, you can get in on claiming your no sweat first bet, where you can get as much as $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. So obviously we're neck deep in baseball season, right? Braves had a doubleheader yesterday up in New York. They get ready to take on the Marlins now. More on that uh, here in a little bit. But baseball season is cranked up and underway. FanDuel allows you to go in and bet on everything from who's going to win to how many homers Aaron Judge is going to have to everything in between. So go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com. Slash L O C K E D O N and claim your no sweat first bet where you can get as much as a thousand dollars in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That's fanduel.com slash locked on and the no sweat first bet to get as much as a thousand dollars if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel's the official partner of Major League Baseball. So have the Falcons done enough to solve their left guard. Position So, obviously, Matthew Bergeron was drafted as an offensive lineman in the second round. He's historically played tackle. He's played both tackle spots for Syracuse. He has practiced at the Senior Bowl as far as as the guard position. So, that's his only exposure to the guard position. So, again, we go back to the discussion of Jalen Mayfield. Matt Hennessy, Kyle Hinton, Justin Schaefer, Matthew Bergeron, have they done enough at left guard? I still would have liked to have seen them get themselves a dedicated interior offensive lineman. Here's the thing that scares me about Bergeron. And it's not a matter of I don't think that Bergeron is a good player or anything like that, okay? Any of this nonsense that people are going to throw out there. It's the idea of he's another guy who has never played on the inside of the interior of the offensive line, okay? He's been a tackle his whole career, okay? You know who else was a tackle their whole career? And you know who else was a guy that got thrown into and thrust into playing on the interior of our offensive line? That was Jalen Mayfield. And how'd that work out? How'd that work out, Mrs. Lincoln, as far as the play goes? So I'm not comparing and saying that, oh, well, Matthew Bergeron's going to be the next Jalen Mayfield. No, but there is a transition. And, and obviously, unlike Mayfield, you know, if it's not there, don't force it. And I don't think that they will, but it felt like Mayfield was forced on us, right? And if if the only other option is, you know, if the only option, I should say, is Matthew Bergeron at left guard, okay. I mean, he's got the physicality—six foot five, three hundred twenty-two pounds. Right? He joked about over the weekend on his um, Zoom call uh, for introduction to the Falcons that he he was three eighteen, but he ate enough chicken wings that he got up to three hundred twenty-two pounds. Right? I mean, all good stuff, right? So he's a big dude when, when, you know, he's, he's a mountain of a man, six foot five, 322 pounds. But if it's not there, then don't force it. Even though that they may want Matthew Bergeron to solidify and win that left guard spot, don't force it. That's what happened with Jalen Mayfield. And and can I tell you that I don't know that Jalen Mayfield was ever going to be a high-caliber offensive lineman, okay? I don't know if he was ever going to be a dominant player, okay? I do know that once he got forced inside, they ruined his career. Now, look, maybe Jalen Mayfield can have the ultimate bounce-back season. You know, again, it wouldn't take a whole lot for Jalen Mayfield to all of a sudden become just a competent offensive lineman because he was literally the worst offensive lineman in the entirety of the NFL, the, the year that he played. But with Kyle Hinton, Matt Hennessy, Justin Schaefer, now Matthew Bergeron in the mix, I still don't know that left guard is a position that I feel great about. And that is and that is counting into the effect that I have Drew Dahlman at center. <clears throat> and while Dalman may have played well at the second part of last year, I still have my issues about what Drew Dahlman can be and what he is long term. I still have my concerns about what he can be as far as a starting center, week in, week out, 17 games a year. But he's the guy that they drafted, right? He's their draft pick. He's the Terry Fontenot, Arthur Smith draft pick. And obviously, he beat out Matt Hennessy last year. And now Hennessy's looking at potentially playing guard. So I'm still not as sold on what we are at left guard. I wouldn't mind that, let's say post-June 1st, right? Because that's your next round of of real cuts in the NFL. You designate guys as June 1st cuts, right? Before, Before they get into training camp and things like that. I wouldn't mind seeing the Falcons even add another interior offensive lineman as a veteran. I wouldn't mind seeing it, just like they did with Elijah Wilkinson last year. Elijah Wilkinson was a guy who hadn't played a lot of guard himself, but was kind of thrust into the guard position. You know, when when um when um uh he was introduced as as an offensive lineman, they said that you know he was kind of joking about the fact that he didn't know if he was gonna play guard or tackle or exactly what he was gonna be. With that Wilkinson, that is. He didn't know exactly what <coughs> he was gonna play for this squad so I hope they're not forcing things onto Matthew Bergeron because I don't want to do like they did with Mayfield and literally ruin his career. And I mean, I don't take that lightly. I mean, I'm saying that Mayfield is probably never going to be because last year was a lost year, you know, coming off the the worst season in the NFL as an interior offensive lineman. Then Mayfield had all the back stuff and and all this and you know I don't I don't know what's true not true but <coughs> certainly <coughs> certainly he was in a position where he couldn't do a whole lot to help this team. So I hope the same thing doesn't happen with Matthew Bergeron. Don't force it if it's not there. Don't force it. Just because you may want to get your rookie in, <coughs> you've got high draft capital invested in him. If you, don't have, if you don't find that it's there, let's not take another offensive lineman and force him into a position that he's not comfortable playing. Go out and find yourself a veteran post-June 1st and try to plug that player in there. Or maybe you spend some money if somebody's been cut that's a high-dollar player because they're a cap casualty. Maybe you can get your hands on somebody that's pretty good to solidify that spot because we need all the good offensive linemen that we can. all right we thank you so much for making hitting hard excuse me fighting a a little bit of a throat issue thank you so much for making hitting hard your first listen every day make sure when you go in and listen to hitting hard that you leave us a comment and in whatever platform that you're on leave us a comment that knows that tells us that you are an everyday listener to the show so we thank you so much for being an everydayer as we like to call them Listening in every day, five days a week, let us know that you're one of those listeners to our programs. And obviously, we thank you for supporting our community and being a part of it and growing with us here as we're just a little bit past the one year mark of our anniversary as far as doing these shows. So we thank you as much, you know, for being a part of our growing community. Maybe I'm a little bit old school. (coughs) Maybe I'm a little bit too old caliber, you know, listen, I am a seasoned guy, right? I'm in my 50s. I mean, I'm, I'm not the youngest man in the world and have fought through a lot of different things, but maybe I'm just old school. So yesterday in the Braves doubleheader, Ronald, Ronald Cunha Jr. was tearing it up yesterday, right? Like he was a triple shy of the cycle in game one, You know, while Spencer Strider did not pitch all that well, I mean, he was not great. Five innings, four runs. He did strike out eight guys, but Ronnie was leading the way, right? And and Ronnie was a triple short of a cycle. He was driving in runs, doing his thing. Then he comes up in the second game and he hits a homer. Um, I should say he was, um, uh, I believe he hit the, the home run in, I Think it was uh, game two. No, yes, it, it was um um he, he in the first game, I should say, he launched a four hundred and forty-eight-foot home run that hit the third deck in whatever field that they play. And it's not Shea, it's I don't even know if it's City Field anymore, whatever. But he was doing his thing, and then he ends up getting plunked in the shoulder, and he has to leave the game now we know that this has been a reoccurring theme for Ronald Acuna Jr. That he's gotten plunked multiples of times, right? That that he's obviously, you know, and he kind of, you know, had on, on the big home run that he hit, you know, he kind of slow trotted around the bases and different things like that. And Buck Showalter, who's the Mets manager, is, is an old school guy, right? He plunked him. You know, he he ended up plunking him and and he hit him on the shoulder and Ronnie had to leave the game. And now he's day to day. Okay. I I guess my frustration is we've seen this happen too many times to Ronnie. Okay. And if somebody needs to run out there for the team and take one for the team, if I if 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 I go to, you know, and again, maybe Morton doesn't want to do it this way, you know, what have you. But if I need to go to a Charlie Morton who is pitching and say, hey, you need to drill somebody in the ribs. Like you need to put somebody down on the ground in the ribs. Can I tell you that the only way you're going to protect and enforce these kinds of things from your old school managers and such is to drill one of their guys. And if that means Charlie Morton gets knocked out, hey, man, it's May 1st. Like, it's a game in May 1st. It doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things as far as the 162-game baseball season. But but maybe if you start to send a message to the rest of the league that we're not going to tolerate this, that we're not going to tolerate hitting my star player because of whatever perceived, you know, notion of, He doesn't run the bases fast enough or blah, 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 whatever, whatever the perceived notion is about Ronald Acuna Jr., if you go, if you're not going to go in there and protect him when all is said and done, then you're going to get more of this. And especially from the Buck Show Walters of the world, because again, when you have an old school mentality, you know, whether it was Don Mattingly, whether it's Buck Show Walter, you know, they come from a generation that played the game a certain way. And you have to, you know, reciprocate that old-school mentality. And, and I know Snicker's a nice guy, and he didn't want to do things and upset the applecart, and I get all that, right? But, you know, as Robert De Niro said in A Bronx Tale, sometimes doing the right thing ain't doing the right thing. And at some point, we're going to have to start protecting Ronnie. You know, it's it's the it's the untouchables mantra, right? From, from the movie with Sean Connery and Kevin Costner, you know, like you have to, you have to go eye for eye, tit for tat, right? He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. Now, not literally, you're not going to send a guy to the morgue, but you understand what I'm saying that you have to, you have to kind of counterbalance that with the idea of, we're not going to take this. Our star player is not going to get plunked, even though, Whatever you think is this perceived perception of what he is or what he does or things like that. I'm not going to go to Ronald Acuna Jr. and tell him he's got to play differently. I'm not going to go to him and say, hey, you need to tone it down or you need to approach the game a different way. He is who he is. And that's what makes him a great player. But if you don't answer these kinds of things as far as making sure you protect your guys and such, Then this stuff is going to continue to happen, you know. And and we've seen it in in baseball. And listen, Don Mattingly got away with this a long time, you know. If you look at over the years with the Marlins, (coughs) I think that nobody was hitting Ronald Acuna Jr. at a higher rate than the Miami Marlins were. Like it was, it was a staggering percentage of when you look at how many times that he was hit in a major league season. And yeah, he crowds the plate and all this kind of stuff. Okay, I get some of that. But when you look at one team and their track record for how they handled Ronald, the numbers were staggering. Like the the, the percentages of how many times he was hit by a Miami pitcher versus anybody from Philadelphia or LA or New York or what have you was staggering. And at times we didn't have an answer for that. And you saw it keep going and going and going and going. And it wasn't just a one-year thing. It was multiples of years. Because if guys like that, you know, if the manager feels comfortable that he can send a message that way, then he's going to do it. And at some point, we're going to have to answer some of this stuff. And if that means you get tossed in early May as your starter, then so be it. If it means... Charlie Morton gets tossed in the third inning of a game in May against the New York Mets, then he gets tossed. And, and you you know, you go out and, you know, you protect your player and you go from there. But I hope at some point we do start to send a message. And I'm not saying intentionally try to take somebody out, but you got to go tit for tat when you're old school, right? And maybe that's my mentality that in the old days, If you hit one of mine, I'm going to hit one of yours. And that's just the code and, and you know, the unwritten rules of how baseball was played. Maybe that's not right. Maybe the new millennium of, you know, we're all, you know, supposed to get along and, you know, we're all sensitive and we can cry our feelings out and all these good kinds of things. Maybe that's not the way baseball should be played. (coughs) But if you don't answer some of this stuff, That's going to continue to happen. And I hope for the Braves' sake that Ronnie doesn't take the wrong pitch where he ends up not just hurt day to day, but he's out for an extended period of time. Because Ronnie does stir the drink (coughs) when you talk about offense for the Atlanta Braves. He is that straw that stirs the drink. (coughs) You've got to answer at times. Got to be tit for tat and protect your player when all is said and done. All right, we well, thank you so much for making Hit and Hard with John Chuck where you first listen? Make sure you go in and leave us a comment in the comment section of whatever platform that you're listening on, and let us know that you are an everyday listener. So we thank you so much for always being part of our community and growing along with this as we're now a year into this thing. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can get the latest episodes of Hit and Hard as soon as they become available. And then give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.